Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlon, and I am joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, we are almost at March Madness. Two more games, and then do you – here's a question, a hot take or a hot button question here to start as you're putting down your blinds because – <laughs> I wanted it all the way. It's like my mouth was in the sun. <laughs> um, do you consider March Madness to start with conference tournaments or with the tournament? That's a good question. I think I include like the power conferences in that and maybe like the championships in terms of like what I feel like is kind of March Madness in terms of like, hey, you know, the ACC tournament's on, Big Ten tournament's on. That's pretty cool. You've got some teams clinching spots in the NCAA tournament from the smaller leagues, but there's nothing that beats like the first Thursday of the NCAA tournament. That can't be replicated by a conference tournament. So I would say kind of. But really, for me, it's that first day of the NCAA tournament, which I, I excluding the first four, the first day of like from noon to midnight. There are games. Yes. That's, that's what hits me. That's a good point. I half agree. I consider March madness to start with the conference tournaments and the madness begins with the mid major, low major basketball tournaments. But I agree. Nothing beats that first Thursday where you sit on the couch or sit in the sports book because I might have to go to Iowa for that day, for that weekend, um, and watch a mind-numbing amount of college ba- basketball. Also, all of the teams are good, which is like an important. Like some of the conference tournaments, these teams suck. But like yes. you get into the, you yes. get it, like the sixteen seeds aren't good, but 
for the most part, you got some some darn good teams. So that's exciting stuff. You could, uh, you know, where you could watch some March Madness. You can go to Three Notch in Harrisonburg. Really, I could. Yeah, pretty pretty cool spot. It's a place that I love to go. Place that I have a lot of respect for, and they sponsor us, which is pretty darn cool. So shout out to them. We love them. They got a lot of deals. Like a lot of deals. My favorite <laughs> we, part of this ad read is that we've been having it. We've been having it for six months at least now, and you wait for the lower third to it's tick changed by. multiple times. But go to threenosbrewing.com, learn more about some of their their various deals. And first tap Fridays, which I think is an exciting one. Exclusive releases every Friday. Are they still doing that? They still have a new release every Friday? I haven't been told otherwise. That sounds challenging. <laughs> but good on them, I guess, right? Yeah, whatever it is, whatever they're making, be sure to follow them at uh, Three Notched Valley Collab on Instagram to stay up to date with all the happenings. They have it more up to date than we have it. Um, but check them out if you're in the Harrisonburg, Richmond, Virginia Beach, Charlottesville, or Roanoke area. There is a tap room near you. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. Everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. Bennett and I were just talking about March Madness. Get in on the action with sports betting with Bet Online for March Madness. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online with live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet way to bet on all of your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today. That's betonline.ag or use your mobile device. I don't believe they have an app, so just head on head on over to betonline.ag and uh, with your first time deposit, you'll get a fifty percent bonus. So if you use promo code B L E A V promo code believe when you sign up and make your first deposit. They'll give you a 50% welcome bonus. So deposit $200, you'll get $100. You don't want to miss out on that action. And you know what action we haven't missed out on at all, Bennett? <laughs> Are they back? Are the men's basketball team back? Dukes back. Men's basketball. Honestly, both Dukes are back. Women's basketball had that yeah. little stumble that nearly knocked them from first to like seventh, the way the Sun Belt is laid out. Um, and the men's team, they, they had the stumble early on in the season. It's felt like they've been battling to get back into it uh, ever since then. And this was a weekend with two huge games, and they picked up two huge wins. Yeah, beat ODU, beat Louisiana. I think the Louisiana one's more impressive. And they, they kind of did the thing that they've made a little bit of a habit of, which is kind of fine because they're winning. But they have this thing where they kind of get up to a nice lead and <laughs> kind of quickly blow it. Like very quick. Cut. Well, they also get up to the lead like quickly too. Like yeah, you it's blink like and you're like, oh, they're up 13. And then you blink and you're like, oh, they're down five. And then they like come back and win it in the end. So, you know, basketball's a game of runs, as they like to say. And it has really felt like that with some of the recent JMU performances. But they're they're trending in the right direction. They've won nine of the last eleven. They've only lost consecutive games during one little blip this year, which is nice. They seem to have that nice bounce back ability. They've they've been playing well. They have two final games at home. One of them feels like knock on wood, feels like a lock that they'll win it. And the other one's going to be, I would expect, a kind of a battle with Marshall. 
but I don't know. They got a good chance to win here. I was looking at some of the tiebreaker stuff. There's a scenario where they could actually be the number one seed, if I'm not mistaken, which is cool. Can you do you do you have a good enough grasp on I that scenario? So. Can you please okay, explain it so. to me? So it's it's unlikely. It's highly unlikely because Southern Miss is 13 and three with a head-to-head win over the Dukes. JMU is 11 and five in league play. So they have a two-game lead with two games to play and a head-to-head. So you would need a multi-team tie in first place in the Sun Belt. So you also have Louisiana at 11 and five. Their last two games are Arkansas State and South Alabama, both at home. So they could theoretically get into a 13 and five mark. And then Marshall's 12 and four, but JMU plays them head to head. So if Marshall loses to JMU and then beats ODU on the road Friday, their final game, they beat 13 and five. So it, it requires Southern Miss to lose both of its final two games. And then you could have Marshall lose to JMU. So JMU wins out. Southern Miss loses out, and then Marshall beats Old Dominion after losing to JMU. If you have that three-way scenario, so the way the Sun Belt does it, if it's a multi-team tie, um, you're looking at highest win-loss percentage of the teams tied against each other is the number one tiebreaker. So they only played Louisiana once, or Southern Miss, excuse me, lost to them, and they would sweep Marshall in this hypothetical, so they'd be 2-1. and one. I think Southern Miss only played... Marshall and JMU one time. So they'd be one and one. They beat Marshall. Um, and then Marshall would have two losses to JMU in that scenario. So JMU would have the best head to head despite <laughs> getting kind of smacked by Southern Miss. I think in that scenario, they would be, they would be the one seed, even though it's kind of ridiculous because I, I think in that scenario, um, or I think Southern Miss must have lost to Marshall, right? Is that how I'm... Yeah, so Southern Miss played Marshall once and lost. So I think it's actually not unfair. But you would need that. And then Louisiana is an interesting one. I think they have a kind of an average record. Let me see what they did against Marshall. I think they would be 2-2. Two and two. They split with Southern Miss, and that's also worse. So if you can throw them in there as a fourth team. If Southern Miss loses out and JMU wins out, and another team, Marshall or Louisiana, also ties them at the top, then the Dukes would win the Sun Belt regular season title. Again, I don't see Southern Miss losing to. I mean, ODU Purdue might be tough. Texas State on the they're on the road, so it's not impossible. <laughs> like there's a there's a chance, but it's more likely they go one and one in those two games, and they go zero and two. Yeah, and then you're also looking, JMU has to beat Marshall, yeah, um, which isn't which, possible, but it's a challenging game. Like, there's a lot of pieces, and then you also need Marshall to beat ODU, or you need Louisiana to win out. But it's it's not impossible that they could get into that three-way tie. Yeah, but it's it just would... not very possible. No, but it's crazy to think that, yeah. you know, they got a chance to catch Southern Miss. At the very least, if they win out, they would be, uh, I think they would be the two seed. Okay. So well, I think they, yeah, definitely. Cause they beat Marshall would have beaten Marshall twice. And then they beat Louisiana head to head. Okay. So, yeah. They would be the two. Like if Jamie beats the two teams <laughs> left in front of it, they're the two seed, which is sweet. And they also would then play the quarterfinals in the semifinals later at night, which I'm driving to Florida during this weekend. And it would work out perfectly for my viewing pleasure while also going on a road trip. So I'm kind of hoping they get the two seed. That sounds amazing. I like the way you think. 
How did they get here, though? We we <laughs> glossed over quickly their two wins this week, and I think we should probably dive into a little bit of what happened this weekend, then we can look ahead to next weekend. But we know they beat ODU, they beat Louisiana. Of those two games, um, what surprised you the most? What was kind of what what'd you walk away from the weekend going, yes? I think that they've maybe raised the floor a little bit where it felt like they could um, have some, some outings earlier in the year, like Coppin state and, and Valpo where like they could lose to some bad teams. And I feel a little more comfortable now that they're going to take care of business against teams that they're better than. So I, I feel like that's good. Um, and some of it is they literally just need like one dude to really shoot it. Well, like Morse shot it really well uh, in the win over Louisiana Wooden and Offerum were fantastic against Old Dominion. Like they, if they get literally anything offensively, they're good because the defense has kind of been there, and it, it feels like it's going to sort of be there the rest of the way. I mean, I think they're one of the best, if not the best, defenses in the Sun Belt. It's just a matter of the offense hanging in there and looking like a top half Sun Belt team. When they do that, they're really good. Yeah, they are currently the second best defense according to Ken Palm in conference only play, but they still force an insane number of turnovers and they do it with stealing the ball, not stealing the ball. They actually have the highest non-steal turnover percentage and the fourth best steal percentage. So what like a non-steal turnover is, is anything that's not considered a steal, which is, I think that's pretty good to have at a high level it means mm-hmm. you're not fully reliant on getting steals. But what I came away kind of thinking this last weekend was, wow, they have their rotation figured out like this whole season. It's felt like we've been like experimenting with things. Friedel's sitting at weird moments. Terrence Edwards like comes off the bench, but he also like starts wooden is the, one of the best offensive players, but doesn't get a lot of run. It feels like finally they figured out what the starting lineup is with Votto starting at the one. I say this and I'm trying to figure it out now. It's Morse, Friedel, Mezzi to call, and um, and Sule now that Sule's back, but was Amadi as the starter. And, like, that was the consistent starting lineup. And then from there, they'd bring in Edwards. He'd get some – like, it just feels more figured out at this point. I still have my questions because they're running out a lot of different lineups. But I think they – I don't know. They feel like maybe it's a little more cohesive. It's just – it's one that I, I still have. I guess that's the word cohesive it doesn't feel as disjointed it doesn't feel like each it's not like hockey where it's a line change like yeah everything bleeds into one another yeah i I feel like they've done a better job and some of it to be honest with you might just be like he doesn't have like options as much like strickland got injured and isn't going to play the rest of the year you know what i mean like that was one of the things was like at guard they had some some questions and they seem to be sort of I guess tightening the lineup a little bit where Amadi's minutes seem to have gone down a little bit. Yeah, uh, Sule comes in and probably three against Louisiana. Yeah. I think because he's a little bit of a liability on defense. So I think what you're looking at, right, would be what Morse, Ianacho, Friedel, Molson are your main like guards. And then you'll roll out Mezzi. Wooden Sule, and then Edwards is kind of like the wing. 
and uh, maybe Amadi gets some minutes here and there, but what is that? That's more like an eight guy rotation, which is like way more streamlined, right? That's, yeah. That's sweet. Like those combinations make more sense. And we talked about it before. We're like, you know, who's really good. Like Noah Friedel, when he's in the game, like everyone's stats are better. He plays 30 minutes against uh, Louisiana. He didn't have like a huge statistical game, but like him being out there, they just seem to be better when he's on the floor. And it's I kind mean, of a, yeah, go ahead. I, he just makes an impact. Like, yeah. I, I know we make fun of people for like saying glue guy and like he does the things you can't measure. And I'm going to be that person that you can make fun of now for saying that. But like, he had three points against Louisiana. This is one of the best teams in the Sun Belt that you'd think he needs a big offensive performance. And he probably goes like one for four, one for five from deep. But he probably gets, if I remember correctly, like five or six rebounds, a few like steals. He leads the league in in floor burns. Like put every <laughs> white boy cliche there is out there. And Noah Friedel has like checked that. Cle- it has been said at least once on the broadcast about him. But you can't undersell that at points where when he's playing extremely good team basketball, it seems like everyone else plays better as well. And I just I don't understand why there's sometimes he's not on the floor in the final five minutes of a close game, because even if he's not shooting it well, the defense has to stretch out to him and it just opens up so much space in the lane for to call for Mezzi, for Terrence like uh, he regardless of if he's playing well or not, the impact he makes on the boards and just like in other fact areas of the game, he's just really good. Yeah. And I think it's, it's kind of interesting that they have changed the lineup a little bit, but I, I like that they're going there. Like I think Brown, the freshman point guard's a good player, but at the same time, like probably not ready to be like a key contributor on like a Sunbelt winning team. So I'm okay with him not having a lot of minutes. I think Amadi's interesting. He's one you can throw in there. But I think Mezzi and Sule both offer a little more, especially Mezzi, offensively. And then I think Sule might be maybe more consistent defensively. And it's a little bit like if they have a true five, I think you prefer Sule on them than Amadi. Um, so I think that's one that's that's interesting. And I like that Ianacho is getting some run because I feel like he and Friedel are two that like, they rebound probably better than they should for guards. <laughs> They're like willing passers, which I think the team kind of needs a time, right? With <laughs> Morrison Molson are like good at Sticky. getting theirs. But yeah, I don't know that they're necessarily the most like willing passers at times. So I think it's it's good to have that combination of like, hey, you've got Molson and Morse who want to go get theirs. And then Ianacho and Friedello can pass it around a little bit, going with Edwards, who's like a pretty solid slasher scorer. And then you have your like two main bigs. It just feels way more streamlined. And I'm, yeah, I'm happy they're doing it, but also a little like some of this was kind of like visible in, in early January. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why they waited so long to some of it maybe was like health related stuff, but I, I feel like they could have done it a little earlier and maybe would have avoided some, some issues, but Hey, I, they figured I, it out here in February, I guess. I mean, we were watching the UNC game and we were like, Oh, Mezzi's like the best player. And he just now got his first Sunbelt player of the week nod. Like, I feel like there's been games where it's clear he is just like better than everyone. And they just don't feed him the ball the way they feed Morse and Molson. This isn't a knock on those. Two. Like, it just seems like we knew Mezzi was good. He jumped off the floor. 
it just took until now for him to finally get like consistent touches and get like a good percentage of possessions played through him. Um, but with all that being said, now that they've kind of figured things out, I want to get your take. How deep can the men's team make it? Not what makes this season a success, but what like kind of you expect out of them now that they've started to figure things out and how deep can they make it? I also want to shout myself out here as I answer this question for the one <laughs> podcast where I was like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if they like let Julian Wooden shoot? You're right. He's really come You're- on strong the last like six games. So shout out to me. Shout out to our friend Brian Reese, the true number one Julian Wooden uh, supporter, probably you know nationwide, including Julian's family. Like he loves Julian Wood. So uh, I'm excited to see him like come on, and he's someone they can bring out. He can hit threes. He can create a little bit on his own. He's a really good player. He is he's a really good player. What is he when shooting he- from by- beyond the arc like over the last six games? It's got to be at least fifty percent. Yeah, it's got to be something good. Let me pull up his game log here. And uh, and see what he's done because he's really been clicking, which is it's what they need from him. You know, they need him to to get going. But he's uh, he's hit. Let's see, he's hit at least two three pointers in four of the last six games. So he's he's really come on strong. He scored in double figures in four of those six, and he had eight points and nine points in the other two. So he's playing at a high level, playing at a really high level. And that's what we need from Julian Wooden. You need Julian Wooden to step up. You need him to score a lot of points because it's a team that lacks shooting, right? It's a team that doesn't have consistent shooting. And I know you left, but they're a team that, that doesn't have consistent shooting. So to have someone who like can be a consistent shooter is very cool. Like yeah. that's, yeah. that's awesome. It is. It is. So he's um, been, he's been big, but to answer your question, I think they can win the Sun Belt because they now have a rotation that makes sense. They're going to need like, a solid shooting week to go through the conference tournament. But I still feel like Southern Miss and Hot Take South Alabama are like the two teams that I'm most scared of in the Sun Belt. South Alabama, the, really? Dude, they are a wagon right now. Like they are playing out of their minds. They were eight and thirteen. They're currently fifteen and fourteen. So they've I, won whatever that math is. Seven of their last eight. Yep. Their only uh, loss and, was to Troy, a four point loss on the road to Troy. And they played Southern Miss in that span and beat them by 31. Like, they are a wagon right now. <laughs> They're playing really well. And you look back at some of their losses, and you're like, oh, wow, man, they really stuck. And then you look, and you're like, oh, like a 10-point loss to Alabama. A four-point loss to Oklahoma. Six-point <laughs> loss to New Mexico. And you're like, oh, shoot. They lost to Florida Atlantic and UAB. FAU is sick. Like, their schedule's <laughs> big time. And then, like, three-point loss to Louisiana, four-point loss to Southern Miss overtime loss to coastal two point loss to old dominion they're 15 and 14 they probably should be like 20 and something like they're frightening to me the way they're playing so i'm a little scared of them i'm a little scared of southern miss uh, but if you're the two seed or even the one seed in southern misses the two or whatever you're not playing them until the championship i don't know how yeah. it would work with south alabama but it's it's a team that has some decent depth even though they yep. still narrowed it in like you can run a Madia out a little bit and you'll be all right or a brown or whatever and you can get through the conference tournament with some fresh legs, hopefully. They're going to have – I think they've already secured, actually, a double bye. So, so like – Jamie's locked themselves in. Jamie has locked themselves in as the three seed, at least. See, that's good. So, they won't – if Southern Miss wins – Well, if they lose out, they're the four, I think. I 
I thought Shane Metlin tweeted that uh, they locked in at the three with I think the that's wins. Possible because if they're um okay. If no, no, sorry. I could be, sorry. I could be led astray. I think that they'd be locked in at the four because if Louisiana wins out and Jamie loses out, they're just two games ahead of them in the standings. Okay, so they've locked in. So if they go one they've and one, buy though. Yeah, they've locked in the double buy. If they go one and one, I believe that's when they may lock in the three. I don't know. Yes, um, because everything would... I know is a lie. So what no, I was getting at is, either. yeah. So I'm wrong. What's whatever. What I'm trying to get at is, if they're a two or three seed that is a much favorable draw than being the one or the four because maybe not one but like the four being the four would be very bad because then you play southern miss in the semis where you're two or three you're not playing southern miss until the championship game and that feels a lot better than playing them in the semis that's just my that's just my take on it um but at the same time jamie still needs to take care of business this weekend and, and win two games what a weird lighting I currently have. Or go one and one. But um yeah, it's like they're in a good spot right now, which is nice to see. They're playing good basketball, yep. which is also good to see. In the last two, like the Marshall game's probably a fight, but at the very worst, I think you're getting in at twelve and six in conference play, which would give you twenty one wins. I talk about that twenty two win threshold all the time where they like don't have any seasons of twenty two wins or it's like one or two in program history. That'd be cool even against this crap schedule they've played. Like shit, good on them. You're right. And you know what else? This. Is it time for this? Yes. All right. It's time for the three-notch weekly preview. The final weekend is here. JMU takes on Marshall and Georgia State, both at home. JMU is favored to win both of them against Marshall. They are minus one, according to Ken Palm. And against Georgia State, they are minus 14. Uh, Marshall, they played to start. It was the opening weekend of Sunbelt play. And they took down Marshall. Uh, they took down Marshall 72-66 in a very, very good game. Um, now Marshall comes into town looking to avenge that loss. Jamie also played Georgia State on the road to open up Sunbelt play. 63-47 was that win. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, we, I think we've kind of touched on it. They need a shooter to shoot well, but overall the floor is pretty high, and a one-in-one -one weekend would be, all but lock them in at a very solid spot. They're already locked into the double bye, but a one in one weekend, you would assume at least gets you two or the three. Huge weekend, huge weekend. And I will say with the Marshall game, just from like a, just a straight up fan perspective, can we have one, one shootout finally? Like we talked about that first Marshall game. We're like, they're both so fast. They love to play up tempo. This is going to be crazy. And then it was 72 to 66. And we were talking about the Louisiana game. We're like, they love to go fast. Louisiana can shoot it. Like they're going to give you some good looks. Let's talk about a shootout. 74 to 68. It's like, I want a shootout. I want a real 80s, 80 plus points shootout. And I'm, I'm rooting for that this week. And I'm hoping it happens. I hope both teams go up and down and actually push the pace. The crowd's lively and energetic. And let's see a real good old fashioned shootout. There's a chance that Marshall game. I'm just looking at how the teams stack up to each other. It may be a blowout in favor of Marshall and it not be a shootout. Like, I'm looking at it. They shoot it very well from inside the arc. JMU doesn't necessarily guard it all that well. They play well in the paint. JMU doesn't, as we all know. 
Uh, JMU likes to get a majority of their points at the free throw line. Marshall doesn't really foul all that often. JMU really likes to get it from the inside and from like Jamie does not stack up well against Marshall. First meeting though, first meeting, they did not have wooden or more speed them by six on the road played a hell of a game. So I'm, I'm holding out hope that with that, that home court advantage, they can certainly have a decent, decent battle. I really think Marshall's going to score a lot in this game. So I don't think Jamie does. (laughs) I think it's like a 10 to 15 point loss. I think they will. I think they've got a good chance here to get in there and, and do a darn good job. I think it's going to be a battle. Okay. I think it'll be a battle. What won't be a battle is Georgia State. JMU will most likely lose the Marshall game. However, if they win the Marshall game, uh, if Jamie wins the Marshall game, things get very interesting in the race for the Sun Belt. Um, however, they need to also then take care of business against Georgia State. It's a very winnable game. That's a winnable game. That's Georgia State's horrendous. Yeah, they should win that one. For like, It would be devastating if that's your last game for the conference tournament and you lose it. Yep. All right. Not to overreact, but moving over to the other side of the court, women's basketball, they control their own destiny in the Sun Belt. After that stumble, things got a little bit weird, but luckily for the Dukes, Troy stumbled too, which opened up the door for them to win this last weekend. Uh, they picked up a huge win. Who was it against first? Texas State. Big, big, big win over Texas State. And then from there, they went on the road to ODU. And that game was essentially a de facto Sun Belt championship game. Assuming both teams go 2-0 this weekend, that's the game that's going to decide who the winner of the Sun Belt is. Jamie won that game. So as of right now, Jamie controls their own destiny. They went out. They're the number one team in the Sun Belt. Those games were so cool. And shout out to Sean O'Regan finding the perfect filtration system to get whatever was in the water out of the water. Something was in the water. They weren't <laughs> playing well. And he said, you know what? I'm going to buy a Brita. And he bought a Brita, used it. And now they're drinking clean, pure water. Whatever it was, they're back. Four wins in a row. Highly competitive against Texas State and ODU. They're now 5-0 and this year. They're top of the league in the Sun Belt. 5-0 and against teams 2 through 5. That's amazing. That is amazing. It sucks that they have all those losses against teams not to their lives. That part's tough. That part's tough to swallow, right? We, <laughs> let's just maybe take care of business some of those. I think two of them, though, are against Georgia Southern, which I think is sixth. So there's some – and they're a pretty good team. So it, it's you're not too upset about some of that. But, gosh, I was so impressed with the way they played in those two road games. The Old Dominion game was awesome. Like yeah. just so fun to watch those teams go at it. Thank God. That rivalry is back. Kiki Jefferson dropped 30. She's of course so she did. She's so weird when I watch her play. Cause she, like, she doesn't score like your traditional way of scoring at like a high clip, but boy, can she get to the free throw line and yes. knock down free throws. It's like, what if I just <laughs> drove the same pace as my defender directly into them <laughs> and then put up kind of like an off balance shot that might get me fouled. And what if I did that repeatedly? And it's sweet because it's like a lot of the time she gets the call and then other times she'll have them where she doesn't. It's like this off balance runner in the lane that like kind of goes in. And I'm like, wow, like that's a very specific thing that you've clearly practiced a lot of times. And she can also shoot the three pretty well, which helps, but she's really been pretty aggressive getting to the rim. And I thought the other impressive thing with that game, they beat ODU on the road with Peyton McDaniel going one of 13. Thank God. Crazy. 
mean, that's a huge, I'm not saying thank God she went one of 13. That was a weird, thank God. But like, that's an amazing win. Um, with going back to Kiki real quick, how many games in a row, I hope you don't have this up. How many games in a row has Kiki Jefferson had double digit free throw attempts? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I'm going to say nine. Only four. Really? But five of the last seven she has. And then there's a 7.1 and 8.1, mm-hmm. like an 8. She's always 10. at the line. She's, she's, she's there a lot. Um, and when she has high po- – this goes without saying, but when she has high point totals, you can almost guarantee she has at least 10 free throws. And they've got, like, depth too, which is cool. Like the ODU game, it's like, oh, yes, Kozlova is just, like, electric in the paint. She can kind of do whatever she wants. And then, like, even the ODU announcers, Kobe king Hawaii, like, got the ball – sort of in the post and they're like oh god she's gonna go to the fadeaway isn't she she takes like two dribbles and goes to a fadeaway jumper it's like nothing but net and it's like they've clearly watched any film they're like gosh why is this girl so many fadeaway moves and then they also had germond 14 points four steals in 41 minutes with one turnover like round of applause for caroline germond what a performance i have another question for you Kozlova, how many times has she shot sub 50% in Sunbelt play? Oh, that's a good question. Four? Twice. (laughs) That's absurd. (laughs) The last three games, eight of 14, seven of nine, five of nine, 17, 15, and 10 points. Yeah, she has like the five and nine game, and I'm like, oh, man, she struggled for her. (laughs) She's been electric it's they're really really good in the last two at app state and home against marshall really doable app state's not that good and then marshall is decent but it's it's a home home. game like senior day that seems like one that you could you could get friday evening with hopefully a decent crowd people maybe getting off work in the area and going to watch and some student attendance as well before they maybe party it up or whatever later Friday night. Celebrate so the celebrate the women's basketball regular season. Celebrate the regular season title. Exactly. Ask the frats are known to do. <laughs> and I think that's I don't know. I'm like stoked about them now. Cause there was that little stretch in the middle where I was like, oh no, maybe they're losing it. And then they're just like going crazy, like having it's, these great wins. Oh. It's still a head scratching stretch. Loss yes. at home against Georgia Southern. Loss at Coastal, loss at Georgia State, loss at Georgia Southern. Like, it's just a very weird stretch where they went four, two and four. And yeah, they like, bounced back with four straight wins. So, like, I'm not complaining too much. Just a very head-scratching. Like, before that, they were dominant. After that, they've been dominant. And it's just like a six-game stretch where you've, like, forgot how to play consistent basketball. But – now the question comes back to you: How deep can they go? I mean, I assume you're going to say win the Sun Belt. Can they? Do they have the c- capacity to win an NCAA tournament game, or no? The good news is, if they win the next two, they clinch the WNIT auto berth, which we were talking Ooh. about was maybe not a Phew. same thing with JMU men. If they have that weird finish, oh yeah, they, they get, get the, the NIT. IT auto birth, which is almost more exciting for me than making the big dance. Same. But, <laughs> so much for the men's NIT. Let's go for the women's. No. Yes. I would like to see the women's team actually make the NCAA tournament. And it's a little bit picking nits here, but like it would have been interesting if they, well, obviously, but if they had taken care of business in some of those like coastal and Georgia state, I feel like they're significantly better than those teams. So to lose those two is tough. And the same with like Maine, 
you could be looking at what they'd be 25 and three and even large. with the still Georgia Southern. Like that's a darn good looking team if you're 25 and three, but I don't know how deep they can, they make it. They should be the favorite to win the Sunbelt tournament. It's going to be a battle though. Cause it's a pretty deep league. Like some of their, they're five and zero against the best teams. We were at the Troy game, right? They won by a point after almost giving up like nine points in the final four seconds or whatever. <laughs> and then ODU game goes to overtime. They were down six in that game. Uh, in overtime and still found a way to win. And like Texas state was a four point game. Win so it's not five. like they're win by five after being down six in overtime. Insane. But it's not like they're blowing out the best teams in the Sun Belt. They're just beating them. So I think it'll be competitive, but if they do get in, I don't know. I mean, you got Kiki Jefferson and McDaniel can get hot. You have enough scoring and Kozlova down low that I, I could see them maybe pulling an upset. It's just such a different sport than the men's game where like the gap between, a 13 seed and a four seed in women's basketball is usually significantly larger than what you would see uh, in the men's side. I mean, the gap between the first place team in women's basketball and the fourth place team is like 15 points. Yeah. If you had like the number one overall team in men's basketball playing like number 25, it's like, Oh, could be a fun one in women's. It's like South Carolina might beat them by 35 <laughs> or whatever. Right. Yep. Um, and moving off of the hardwood quickly around spring sports while we're recording this, the baseball game just went final. A uh, JMU picks up their first win of the season, a 10 to beat down of George Mason, uh, getting the win is Jack Cohn, who's now one and zero on the season. The Dukes put up four runs to start the game and never looked back, hung two up in the third and fourth and one up in the fifth and eighth so a really nice. solid game after getting swept by florida state looking competitive kind of in a few of those but yeah. overall we knew that they're going to get swept by florida state <laughs> um, this is this is just a quick one here i just the stretch here cornell gw umass lowell blah 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 blah. you talked about it like go get a bunch of wins like if you want to have a good season you want to be a factor like beat up on the bad teams here that come up on your schedule for the next like month yeah it's a must um Lacrosse two and one after the opening season opening game of the season um, lost the fourteen to nine loss against UNC. Boy, have they come up big with some huge wins, an eight six win at Virginia Tech, and a eleven to seven win on Saturday uh, on a neutral site against UConn. Next up, they go to at point. Bro, I can't talk. Next up, they go at High Point. They go to High Point. There we go. And then Maryland and Ohio State in town, both of those on ESPN+. Plus. The schedule that they put together is absolutely phenomenal. Hosting Maryland and Ohio State is sweet. <laughs> That's awesome. And hosting Johns Hopkins. Like, that was a, a tournament team a year ago. They got some – the home slate this year is stacked. Yeah. Uh, softball, after us having some questions – uh, potentially finding some kindling running around the woods, finding kindling around Veterans <laughs> Memorial Park and setting it up in a very precarious spot and starting to light that bad boy on fire underneath the seat of Lauren Laporte to heat it up. They then went out in the Elon Softball Phoenix Invitational, went three and one. Granted, their one loss was eight two loss to Elon, which um, if anyone remembers the CAA, Elon was never like a great team. Um, I don't assume that's changed in a year. So a very weird loss. But now they're sitting at 3-3 three and three on the season. 
and the offense kind of came alive with a 10-2 win, 8-3 win, and a 5-0 win against Michigan State. Yeah, the one against Michigan State was pretty good. I think they're not bad. At 5-0, Alyssa Humphrey goes the full <laughs> seven innings, only three hits, one walk, strikes out nine. So they're they're showing some signs of life. I stand by the take that they don't have the same level of depth at, at positions. I think they're going to win a, some games, but it's it's the kind of stuff where it's like in years past when they were winning NCAA regionals and like a top 25 team, they would have ended that weekend with like a stomping of elon like that's that feels like the difference where they they still have like they're not a dumpster fire they don't have any like major issues necessarily i just think it's interesting of how you view this team because i think they're probably still a section of the fan base that's like we're still a top 25 team and i don't think that's true or how easy it is to actually get back to that that's all yeah I think there's a larger chance they never get ranked this season than getting ranked. Yeah, I don't. I'd be kind of shocked if they got ranked, to be honest with you, because they got some power teams coming up here that maybe they can do it. But I still think they'll have like a solid season. I just think they're maybe like a bubble team in like you know top half of the Sun Belt, but probably not winning the Sun Belt. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll they'll be in contention late. They'll be able to if they can string together a couple wins, they can do it. But um, by no means do I expect I do I expect them to win the Sun Belt as of right now. And I think they might have something with the Georgia transfer at pitcher. I think her last name is it's M U H. I want to say it's like Mu or I don't know exactly how to pronounce it, so I apologize. I'm sure I can look that up here in five seconds with the game notes. Uh, but she's been pretty good. She threw a complete game against Fordham only gave up one earned they scored three runs but only gave up one earned in that game and then she actually started the elon game and uh she went three and a third and only gave up a run and then some of the relief and i think fielding uh, after that kind of hurt them a little bit when they gave up a bunch of runs late so they might have just run out of steam there but typically once you get into conference play you're not playing like you know what what is it four or five games in three days you just have like that yeah. three game series or whatever over a three game stretch when you could use Humphrey and only one other pitcher if needed. So I, I kind of think it'd be interesting when they get into conference play. It's like, Hey, if you have that and then next year they have a stud recruit coming in, it's like you do that, maybe do a little something in the portal. I think they could get to a point where they are a top 25 team again. I'm just fascinated to watch the the growth of the program. Cause it's really hard to go from like, women's college world series just a sustained success when you're a mid-major so we'll see yep um anything else you want to add not too much not too much so is that a no i don't think there is anything uh somebody track and field was putting on a show like lots of sunbelt records yeah they completed their first day of the uh sunbelt indoor championships yesterday where they uh they sit eighth with thirteen points. There you go. Miranda is Stanhope, perhaps. Stan Hopefully Hope not. Picked up eight points for the Dukes with a runner up finish in the five thousand meter. She had some sort of she had a program record in the five thousand meters um somewhat recently, like ten days ago. So fast, much faster than I. I think if you gave hole. me some spinach I could do it. Like Popeye. It's possible. Yeah. Don't so, look like I'm sort of in space, like in some sort of black hole. <laughs> so for Bennett Conlin, 
as he falls back into his black hole. I'm Jack Fitzpatrick. Thank you for tuning in to the Oh, whoa! And on the seventh <laughs> day, God says, let is. there be light. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.